Well, we now come to that uh, part of our service where we look at and reflect upon uh, a scripture, a piece of uh, reading from the Bible. Uh, We are in a series on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous discourse uh, or uh, teaching. And to help us with that scripture reading is Carol. Today's reading is taken from Matthew 5, verses 27 to 32. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This is the word of God. So adultery... That's what Jesus is talking about in our passage this morning. But you probably already noticed that, didn't you? Uh, and not just because the word is repeated so many times in our, in our passage, but just because of the word itself. Adultery is it's one of those words that doesn't even have to try to get your attention. It's like that unwelcome guest who just shows up and the mood gets tense and the air gets sucked out of the room. It's not a a happy, feel-good kind of word, is it? So why is Jesus talking about adultery this morning? Well, actually, he's not just talking about adultery this morning. He's talking about a whole lot more. Let me explain. The commandment, uh, the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery, is stated in in the negative. Uh, You're not to have sex with somebody who's not your spouse. But the way the, way, the way that the commands work is this, that every time something is stated in the negative, the positive is also commanded. And so if God is commanding us not to commit adultery in the seventh commandment, if he's commanding us not to be unfaithful, he is at the same time commanding faithfulness in marriage. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, faithfulness in marriage, because that's what the passage is about. It's about marriage. Now, I realize that a lot of, or part of what I'm going to say this morning uh, may seem a little outdated and prosaic to you. And you may be thinking to yourself, uh, like, what decade, what century was this guy born in? Let me just encourage you to try to keep an open mind. Because I think that, that what Jesus is teaching here is actually incredibly relevant and helpful. I also realize that... Some of you are are not married, and you may think that, oh, a sermon on marriage, um, how could that be relevant for me? I I really do think that that Jesus has a word here for you as well. We are going to be focusing primarily on marriage and faithfulness in marriage, and we're going to see that, that, that faithfulness says two things from our passage. On the one hand, faithfulness says, I'm all yours. And we'll see that this morning in verses 27 to verse 30. 
But we're all going to, also going to see, secondly, that faithfulness doesn't just say, I'm all yours. It says, I'm all yours for life. And we'll see that in verses 31 and 32. So first, faithfulness says, I'm all yours. That wasn't what the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, taught. They taught that uh, so long as you didn't commit the act of adultery, that you were being completely faithful to your spouse. But Jesus comes along and says, wrong. That, that adultery isn't just something that you commit with your body. Adultery is something that you can commit with your heart. I mean, listen to what Jesus says in verse 27 and verse 30. Uh, 28 and verse 27 and verse 28. He says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, you've probably heard the saying that it's okay to look, just don't touch. And when people say that, they don't mean that it's okay to look. They mean it's okay to look uh, just as long as you don't cross the line and have sex with somebody who's not your spouse. In other words, it's okay to fantasize about somebody who you're not married to. Just don't have sex with them. But what Jesus is saying here is that if, if, you're, if you are lusting with, over somebody in your heart, you've already crossed the line and committed adultery. Why? Because God designed marriage this way. When a, when, a, when a man and a woman come together and become husband and wife, they enter into a covenantal relationship with each other. And it's such a close, uh, uh, it's such an intensely close relationship, a union uh, of body and soul. Everything that they are, they are united to one another. That's why the Bible says the two become one flesh. And when a person is married, uh, they enter into that covenant with certain promises. And promises that sound something like this. I'm all yours. I'm all yours. And sex says the same thing. Sex says the same thing that you said the day that you got married when you said, I'm all yours. Sex is covenant renewal. Sex says... I'm all yours. You say, prove it. Okay, adultery. Have you, have you ever noticed that, by and large, most people aren't okay when a spouse cheats on them? That, that's a devastating thing. Why? Because sex communicates something incredibly powerful. It says, I'm all yours. And when you say that to somebody who's not your spouse, that is a devastating experience. This is why pornography is so terrible. I mean, apart or besides the fact that it, it exploits women and men and enslaves and dehumanizes them, it really damages marriages. It does. Because when you look at porn, you're saying to your spouse, I know, I know that I said to you, I'm all yours. But the reality is, in practice, I'm also saying, click, I'm also hers. And click, I'm also his. And, and that is a devastating thing to say to your marriage. It's a devastating thing to say to your marriage. 
And I want to, I would say this to those of you who are single and who, who want to get married. If you're looking at porn, you're not, you're not preparing yourself for a life of faithfulness, for a strong marriage. You're actually preparing yourself for a very broken marriage and with a spouse with a very broken heart. Parents, porn is here. It's ubiquitous. Your children need your help. You can help them by putting the necessary restrictions on their screens. They need it. If if we don't help our kids this way, we're not going to be setting them up for strong, faithful relationships, but but for floundering relationships, unfaithful relationships. And then there's the issue of masturbation. I, I know. And you're saying, okay, that's off the table too. Yeah, it is off the table. You know, I've heard people say that, you know, you can, ha- you can masturbate as long as you don't lust. Well, good luck with that. Um, but but there, there are just so many reasons why it's just not a good thing. Here's one to think about. Think again about what sex says. Sex says, I'm yours, I'm all yours. And when a couple comes together and when, they, when they're communicating that, it's, it is a... It is a it is, it, it is a, um, it's something that they're both saying together. They're saying it back and forth. You cannot say that by yourself. You can't. See, the problem with masturbation, among other things, is that it makes you incredibly self-focused. It, 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 makes, you, it makes you selfish. And that is not going to help you in your marriage. It's not going to help you to be faithful in your marriage. It, it, it just, it won't. Now, I know that what I'm saying this morning, I'm saying some difficult, I'm saying some awkward things. I understand that. They're difficult things. I know that. But you've got to hear Jesus. He is so serious about faithfulness. I mean, listen to what he says here. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And here's the reason why. For it is better that you lose one of your members, one of your body parts, than that your whole body go to hell. Now, when Jesus says, I want you to tear it out and cut it off, I don't think he wants us to take him literally. I think he's being figurative. I think he's using hyperbole. He's exaggerating for the point of emphasis. And the point that he wants to make is that when it comes to adultery, We have to do whatever it takes to make sure that we're not falling into this particular sin. We have to be serious. And the reason why is this, because Jesus says that if if you don't cut it out, if you don't cut it off, that you will cut yourself off from the grace of God and an eternity in the blessed presence of God in a place that the Bible calls hell. And I'll be honest with you this morning, I don't want to tell you that. I would rather just skip over these verses. I I would prefer just to erase them from the Bible, but I can't do that, and I I won't do that this morning. And the reason I won't is because uh, of what what adultery communicates and, and what kind of impact it has on God. If you think that God, the God in this passage... It's the kind of God who's just wringing his hands and spoiling to send people to hell for adultery. You're not understanding who this God is. 
because this God is the same God as the God in, let's say, the book of Hosea, chapter 11, verse 8, where he says, how can I give you up? How can I hand you over? My heart is torn. My compassion overflows. Do you you hear that? Do you hear the impact of adultery on on God and how, how it grieves him? And it grieves him because it is a denial of the most wonderful relationship in the cosmos, in the universe, in all of history. It is the thing to which marriage and sex point. It points to the relationship of Christ with his beloved wife, the church. That is the most beautiful and astounding relationship. That's what sex points to. That's what marriage points to. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32. And in marriage, we have this opportunity to dramatize this, this relationship, a relationship where Christ says to the church, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. And he showed his allness for the church by giving himself on a cross. And on that cross, he took your sin. He took all of your sin. He took every lust, every lustful thought, every swipe, every click, every affair, everything. He took upon himself all of me for all of you. I'm all in. I'm all yours. That's what the cross of Christ shows. That's who Christ is for you. And and I really believe that this message, that when it gets a hold of your heart, when you when you grasp the, the, the love that Christ has for you uh, and for his church, it really does provide the dynamic to do whatever it, it takes to cut out, to cut off, whatever it is that would, would tempt you and lead you into adultery, whether physically or in your heart. You'll do whatever it takes, which means that you'll get the software on your computer that you need. Uh, you know, who cares if your computer gets clunky? Who cares if it's difficult to visit, you know, even innocuous sites? Who cares? Isn't your spouse worth it? And how about this? Getting the accountability that you need. If there is a struggle in this area of your life, then, then please, for, for your own sake, reach out to somebody and say, would you walk with me? Would, would you hold me accountable? Would you check in? Would you pray for me? Would you ask me, hey, how's it going in this area of your life? And I, I know that can be embarrassing, but you know what? Jesus loves you and he died for you. And, and that must mean a whole lot to you, more than just maybe the, the, the temporary embarrassment of going to a friend and saying, I'm struggling in this area. And then three, how about this? If you fall, if, if, your right eye, if your right eye causes you to sin, if your right hand causes you to sin, if you fall, stand up and go to him and ask for forgiveness because he wants to forgive. He died so that he could forgive your sins and change you. And he wants to, by his Holy Spirit, empower you 
to live faithfully and faithfully in your marriage covenant. This is, this is who Jesus is. He wants you to have a strong marriage. He does. He wants you to have a, a faithful marriage where you say, um, I'm all in for you. I'm all in. Everything for you. And that's what he wants for you. That's how he wants your, your, your marriage to be characterized. But there's a second thing. A second thing. Because it... it Faithfulness doesn't just say, I'm all yours. Faithfulness also says, I'm all yours for life. And that's the second thing that we'll look at this morning. And I'm going to have to pick up my pace here a little bit. Jesus said, you've heard it said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. In Jesus' day, there was a a debate over Deuteronomy 24, the passage that Jesus is referring to. And and some of the the religious leaders, some of the Pharisees were teaching that you you could uh, divorce your wife for just about any reason. You could divorce your wife if, if she burnt your dinner. You could divorce your wife if she didn't look as good as another woman. You could divorce your wife if she didn't give you kids. And Jesus comes along here and says, You've heard it said, but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. What Jesus is saying here is that there is just one grounds for divorce, and that is sexual immorality. The act of being sexually unfaithful. Now, in the New Testament, uh, we're also told that desertion, and by extension, domestic abuse, would be grounds for divorce. There are grounds for divorce, but here this, there, there are only just a few. And anyone who divorces his spouse, her spouse, without these grounds, commits adultery. And the reason why is not because divorce is adultery, but a person who divorces and then marries somebody or somebody who marries somebody in that context, they are committing adultery. Why? Because in God's sight, the marriage covenant is still intact. Now, I realize that a lot of people have discussed these verses and they, they, you may have a lot of questions about the grounds for divorce. And I'm not saying they're not important. They are, and they need to be talked about. We need to think through these things. But here's my concern. I think it's easy to miss the forest for the trees. I think it's easy to miss the point of what Jesus is saying. And the point of what he's saying here. It's not primarily, I think, the grounds for divorce so much as the grounds, as somebody said, for marriage. And and what Jesus is saying here is that marriage is such a binding covenant. It's such a lifelong covenant that only sexual immorality can dissolve the covenant, which means that, that faithfulness says this, I'm all yours and I'm all yours for life. And I want to end this morning just very practically by asking two questions. And these two questions, I hope, will, will help you to go the distance in, in your marriages. 
and help you to remain faithful, I mean to the end. Uh, here's, here's the first question. Why am I married to my spouse? Now, I know some of you are saying, yeah, that's a great question. Why am I married to my spouse? That, that's not what I mean. Uh, there is a, there's, a, there's an answer to this question. Why am I married to my spouse? The wrong answer is because uh, uh, for my own self-gratification or for my self-actualization. Th- that's not why you're married. That's why you have problems. <laughs> no, the, here's the thing. The reason why you're, you're married... The reason why God has put you in your marriage with your spouse, and just try and get your minds around this, because it's huge, that in God's wisdom, he he has put you in your marriage with your spouse to carry and to embody the gospel so that you become an agent of change in your spouse's life. He's put you on mission to, to be a blessing and a means of grace and transformation in your spouse's life. That's why you're married. That's why God has put you together. And I'll tell you, when, when, that, when that reality really strikes you, when, when that is the kind of the foremost thing in your mind and the way that you think of your spouse, you're going to be able to navigate the very difficult and tricky and, and chilling seasons of your marriage. If you just keep reminding yourself, why am I married? Yeah, that's right. I'm married because God has called me to partner with him for the growth and the, and the sanctification of my spouse. That's, a, that's the first question. Here's a second question. And somebody has helped me with this question. Uh, it's a, I think it's a good question. How much should I love my spouse? How much should I love my spouse? Um, you know, some people say that marriage is a 50-50 relationship or that you need to give 100%. And I, I, I've never known what to do with those numbers because, you know, who gives 100%? I mean, that is a denial of our inherent flawedness. And 50-50, I, I don't find helpful either because I'm always looking for Wendy to then uh, pull her weight and I'm always wondering, you know, is she, is she doing her share? I think a more helpful, uh, more helpful answer to the question is this. How much should I love my wife or my husband? Just a little bit more than I want them to love me. Just a little bit more than I want them to love me. Because if that's the mindset, then I... I'm going to go through life and with my wife always be thinking about how I can serve her and not waiting for her to serve me, but how can I love her? I want to love her a little bit more than she loves me. You know, my parents lived that way. They loved each other a little bit more. I I can remember there would be times when we were sitting around the dinner table and dad would get up and say to my mom, Judith, I'm going to wash the dishes tonight. And my mom would say, Fred, just sit down. You've had a long day. And he would say, no, Judith, I'm going to do the dishes. And she would say, Fred, sit down. And they would start to fight. And they're fighting again. And they fought. They fought. But that's how they fought. Because they were just looking to love the other 
a little more. And because they did, their marriage endured. And it lasted until the Lord took my mom home four years ago. But their marriage lasted. Now, those are just two questions that, that I've come up with or I had help with. Maybe this week you could take time with your spouse and you could continue this. Write some questions and questions that will allow you, encourage you, empower you to, to keep on going right to the end because marriage Marriage is for life. Marriage, is, it says, I'm here. I, I, all of me for you. But it also says, I'm here and all of me for you for all of life. And, you know, Jesus wants you to have that kind of marriage. He wants it to be a marriage where, where you just stick at it and you keep going because that's how he relates to his church. He is a Savior who isn't going anywhere. He's a Savior who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is in and he's in for life. And that's the kind of marriage he wants. That's the kind of faithfulness he wants to characterize your marriage. All of me for you and all of me for life. And Lord, and may, Lord may the Lord give you the grace today and in the coming days to have that kind of faithful marriage. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for Jesus because he is a Savior who won't leave. And he is a Savior who has given himself entirely to us. And Lord, that is why we're saved. That is why salvation is possible for all who believe. And I, I pray, Father, for the couples here, the married couples who are listening, who are watching. And I pray that you would strengthen their marriages, that they would be marked with, with, with real faithfulness. I pray against the temptation to sin and to commit adultery, either physically or in the heart. I pray that such things would never come to bear or place in the marriage covenant. I pray these things would be removed and cut off. And I pray in their place, Father, that love would be the order of the day and that marriages would flourish with faithfulness as men and women give themselves entirely to one another and entirely and exclusively throughout this life. Would you be gracious, we pray. Would you hear us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.